0: Life is so full and so big and ever-changing and you can be as prepared as you want to be. You don't know what's coming around the corner. To me, as long as I have my eyes open, I have that moment of pause and I'm able to learn and take that lesson, that is everything. You
1: are listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. The Real Estate Sessions podcast is part of the Industry Syndicate Media Network. For additional real estate podcasts, check out syndicate.com. Now, your host, Bill Risser. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 189 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how this little show continues to grow. uh, And I I can't thank you enough. It's been really fun getting the comments and, and, and people are loving the guests that we're bringing to them and the stories that we're able to tell. Today is no exception. In fact, I love how I found today's guest. It was a recommendation from a mutual friend, a mutual, uh, uh, we'll say, um, colleague, and uh, Wendy Thatcher of the Chicago Tidal Operation up in Portland said, Bill, I've got somebody you've got to put on the podcast, and, and that somebody is Alicia Alcantara, and Alicia is the, the founder of Encompass Realty, and that's just the start. We're going to get into a lot of stuff. Alicia, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, your story is really cool and amazing, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I love starting at the beginning, right? I want to find out. I know you currently live and work in Portland, and mm-hmm. I think Portland's a lot like San Diego where I grew up. There's not as many natives there. It's a lot of people who get there. Yeah. So are you, a, are you a native Oregonian, or did you <laughs> relocate and get there some other way?
0: I am not a native Oregonian. I'm actually from, this is like a really dirty secret in Portland. It's not really a secret, but I'm from Los Angeles, California, and actually made my way here via San Diego. So I lived out in your neck of the woods for a little while, and I love it there.
1: Let me tell you, whereabouts in San Diego were you?
0: I was in Encinitas. I met my now yeah. husband then boyfriend out there, and so I picked up my life after 24 years in LA and moved out there.
1: Wow, you left Encinitas and the beach and all that great stuff. I know, it's gorgeous. I, know. I mean, I lived in the East County, so it wasn't that big a deal. I relocated to Phoenix, and it's the same, just without an ocean compared to you know where I lived.
0: It but, is beautiful, and uh, we go back every yeah. year. However, that being said, I love Portland. Portland's like a um, smaller, cleaner <laughs> version of yeah. everything I had out there, just minus the beach.
1: So you're one of I think I can honestly say this: hundreds of thousands of Californians who've relocated to the Pacific Northwest, and that's not an exaggeration, right?
0: I know. You know? I know. It's, yeah, we have a lot of Californians here.
1: Yeah, and what um, you mentioned that the the feel of just a California, but smaller, but a whole lot rainier or a little gloomier, right? You know, um, that
0: is true. And I'll say after 11 years, I am now kind of like, all right, I can go back to California for a couple months each year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because I, and is it in the wintertime?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Um. tell me a couple of, I, I like this question for the people from up from up in the Portland area, because there's this, people have this, con, this, well, we'll call it a misconception you know, oh, Portland, yeah, let me think, grunge and Starbucks. And that's kind of what they think.
0: (laughs) That's so 10 years ago. That's probably so 20 years ago.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So tell me today, what are the misconceptions today about Portland? You know, what are the things that people say like, oh, isn't Portland this? And you're like, what are you kidding? It's,
0: It's this. Yeah. I don't know that we have a whole lot of that anymore. I mean, I would say probably about seven or eight years ago, it seems like the world started having a love affair with Portland and it started popping up on like every show and just all kinds of references in songs. And it actually has changed quite a bit in the last 10 years that I've been here. I actually lived here for a little while when I was younger. My dad has been in the, um, not in Portland, but in the Beaverton area, which is very close by for the last 30 years. So I went to middle school here for a little while and had friends here. So it was an easy step back into it. I have so many friends from from my 12 and 13 year old self. But um, it was so different then. And today with it just being this like hotspot, you know, there's the people, keep Portland weird. I actually haven't even heard that for a while. Um, I think probably the one thing that we might still get a bad rap for is a lot of rain. And yes, it does rain a lot. I don't think it rains as much as everyone thinks. And my husband and I used to have this joke when we first moved here that we thought there was a conspiracy theory because we'd be standing outside on a beautiful sunny day and we'd look at the weather app and it would just show like rain, rain, rain. And we're like, we think they want to keep everybody else out. So I think that's it right now from – and maybe I just have no perception on this anymore because I do live here and I love it. I just haven't heard a whole lot of grumblings about anything uh, real negative about it from Outsiders.
1: Tell me – please tell me there's – you run into characters that sort of resemble Carrie and Fred from Portlandia.
0: Oh, don't to- totally (laughs) to some degree I am one of them yeah Ah, I mean it's real it's hilarious I'll never forget watching the first episode of Portlandia and my husband was just staring at me laughing his butt off because I think it was the part when they went to a restaurant and they were asking about if it was a happy chicken and what the chicken's name (laughs) was and if it had a good life because that was so (laughs) me (laughs) and still is and even like more so because this culture here does feed that so yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, we have people riding downtown on unicycles and we have the naked bike ride. Have you heard of this, the naked bike ride? I, I have. I
1: might have yeah. uh, I might have searched it online when someone told me about it. Maybe back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: we have those kinds of things that like I just never saw in L.A. I saw plenty of other things. Um, but yeah, Portlandia, it's hilarious. And like I said, maybe that's it. Maybe I have no perception anymore because I'm so used to it. And I'm just I'm one of them now.
1: Ah, oh, that's great. Let's let's talk about, um, you know, teenage Alicia. You're in high school. Uh, you headed off to, sc- to college, correct?
0: I didn't. You didn't? Okay. I did not go to college. I am learning awesome. on the job. I did a you little did bit better. of community college. I've okay. got a whole other story. I mean, teenage Alicia and, um, yeah, let's see. Teenage Alicia, like, got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I was Aww. the party girl. Um, So, you know, I went to college, but, like, going out and having fun got in the way of really doing anything meaningful at my community college. So yeah, no, I have done this. I've just straight bootstrapped this. And like I said, I'm learning every day.
1: Wow. So let's talk about, uh, you had a career before real estate, which is super common uh, in the stories that are told on this podcast, because it's uh, a lot of people just aren't thinking I'm going to be a realtor when they're 22. There's a few. Um, Mm -hmm. And you obviously weren't. Your career before real estate kind of involves the legal world and then like a switch over to HR. Can you kind of walk us through that, that path? Yeah.
0: Well, and I think maybe a lot of people do think they might want to do real estate. They just don't think they can or they don't have the resources. I mean, you've Good got one. to have a little bit for most people. They have to have a little bit of life under their belt or some savings, right, to get into this field. Because I know that I it was I was always intrigued by it. Um, So it just sat kind of somewhere in my brain. But, yeah, the easier road for me was in the legal field. Um, I've always been a person who's worked multiple jobs, two or three jobs at a time. And when I was 19, I was at my, I think it was a, a night job in the mall. And I was helping someone doing sales. Like I used to work at a um female clothing store. And I would sell the heck out of the jeans there. <laughs> and I'll never forget this one day that I was helping this lady and her daughter and just, you know, I've always naturally, this has been my thing being with people and being in sales. And she loved her experience so much. She had offered me her, a job in her law firm. And like the rest was history there. I just worked myself up over the next year and kind of stayed down that path because something at 19, 20 years old, I was making really good money and doing a job. Uh, however, I did not, love it. I didn't love it at all. I loved being young and being able to make the money. So when I moved to, um, well, so we went to San Diego and then we actually moved to Vegas for two years before we came to Portland. So when I moved to Vegas, that's when I first got licensed. I got licensed, gosh, I guess it was like 12 years ago now, maybe 13 years ago in Vegas. And um, again, worked multiple jobs and got a taste of this real estate life. However, it was right Like six months later is when the market started to implode. And my husband was working for, it's called um, BNC Mortgage, which was owned by Lehman Brothers. Mm -hmm. And, Fortunately for us, he got cut during the first kind of round of layoffs, so he got a severance package and we took that opportunity to kind of run, like take the money and run. So and we saw the writing on the wall, so he had already been back going to school to become a registered nurse. So he got his severance package. I had to leave real estate and then at that time of uncertainty, I couldn't necessarily move to a new state and a new city and just get right back into it. So that's when I was Very, very fortunate and got a job in one of the top six law firms here in Portland, downtown. And even though I really didn't want to do it, but you do what you got to do in those times, right?
1: Right, right. And
0: uh, I showed up and I knew I wanted to support my husband and get him through school. And luckily, within six months of being there, I was able to switch over into HR, which I definitely found more enjoyable. So yeah, I did that until, you know, you just have that moment in your life where you're like, I cannot do this anymore. (laughs) This is not my passion. This is not my dream. And it's not even worth the paycheck anymore. And thankfully, I had the support of my husband to just shift gears. And so
1: what year is this then that you decide I'm going full time, I'm going to make this work?
0: So uh, around that time that I left the law firm, I was also just deciding to have babies So, gosh, that was eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. And I ended up working at home. And this is a really important part to my story and where I am. I ended up getting a job working for a family friend who is based out of Santa Barbara. And I'm here in Portland. And just so happens that she needed to replace her assistant who had just moved to Portland a year before. I had no idea. So I raised my hand. I'm like, yeah, I'll stay home with the kids and do that thing. And if I can work from home, that would be awesome. So um, I had an amazing opportunity to observe A woman, a one-person show, one woman who took a $1,500 employment check and turned it into this mega business. And I got to help her with all the pieces of that, her bookkeeping and her social media and her client relations and uh, client retention. And it was so inspiring to see what she had done that I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go all in on me. Plus, being at home with the babies, I learned I am not totally cut out for. So (laughs) mama had to go. Mama had to get back to work and um, outside of the house. So that is about, oh, well, it's been four and a half, five years, five years ago that I was like, all right, you know, talked to my husband, got his support and I mean, double down on myself. I took a $1,000 check. She gave me a bonus. I asked her for a little bonus instead of a Christmas gift, and I used that to take my uh, classes and get licensed in Oregon. And literally, the rest became history from there.
1: Wow. What What was the? Um, you get your license. Where do you first hang it? What was your first brokerage that you worked at?
0: Keller Williams. And um, okay. I had had a stint with them before in Vegas, so it just kind of felt like familiar and I knew it and it just seemed and and really I joined them because my house had been listed at that time with another broker because I wasn't licensed yet and this woman came to show it, and she was just so kind and so caring I thought I want to be where she is and so I went where she was and then I asked her to mentor me
1: and so that obviously that's worked out well you're still I'm sure you're still friends
0: oh yeah actually it's been such an amazing journey. Um, I was in that office for maybe a little under a year, and I did work closely with her for the first couple months. She was so generous and so just open and warm. I mean, here I am. I would show up at her door and be like, can you sit down with me for an hour now and go over this stuff? And she was just so giving Um, When I made the transition out of that office, I actually went to like a boutique type of company that dealt largely with investment property, um, hard money and going to the foreclosure auctions at the courthouse. So really early on, I kind of got this niche. And so then mentors or people that had been in my life previously started contacting me about what I knew about that. So it was really kind of awesome how in the first couple of years of coming back into real estate. I have this mentor, and then she's calling me to find out about this world and see how I can help her. So yeah, we're totally still friends. I love her and several people that I met while I was there.
1: That's, I mean, that's a that's a very unique story. And uh, and I've been doing this for almost four years, and I've never heard anyone follow that path, right? Because that's such a that's a tough world. You there's there are competitors that aren't like soft and nice, and like uh, the realtors can be okay with things. That that uh, investor auction world. Ooh, tough, right? It
0: is like the wild, wild west.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you learned a ton in that time frame.
0: I learned so much. And, you know, for me, okay, so now I've worked with so many investors. I do investor classes. I've just, I've come across so many people. And oftentimes we have the same fantasy, myself included. We watch HGTV and we're like, oh, I want to buy a, a fixer house and I want to flip it. And I want to go to auction. And it is just, not like what you think it's going to be so you know but it was always there in my head like oh that'd be really great if I can do that and I'll never forget I think I was 10 months into being back in the business and I sold a property and it was flipped by this company and flipped by them and listed by them and people would call me all the time after I would close transactions because I will say I was so fortunate I was like a sofa and a text warrior. I would sit on my couch those first couple months when I got my license and I would text everybody I knew and be like, Hey, just got licensed um, in real estate. Let me know if you need any help with anything. I mean, I was, it was crazy, but I loved it. So I had the great fortune of being able to transact several or be a part of several transactions in my first year. So people would call me to try and recruit me afterwards. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine. I'm good where I'm at. I'll never forget the day that I got the call. I'm in the middle of a hardware store and this guy calls to say, hey, you did this transaction and I wanted to talk to you because I heard you were really great. You know, we do, you know, foreclosure auctions at the courthouse and hard money. And he starts talking to me Really, it seemed like a dream. Like, what? How is this person on the other end of my phone? And it made me take pause. And I remember at that time, I had like 12 or 13 deals in escrow. And I'm like, listen, that sounds amazing. The thought of trying to make a move right now just like makes my brain want to explode. But, you know, I'm going to think about this. And I couldn't shake that phone call. I couldn't shake it for a couple months. And I finally called him and I'm like, okay, I think I'm just going to be busy all the time and there's not ever going to be a good time. So let's sit down and talk. And we did. And I think I moved over like a few days later and then just learned this world. And I bought my first flip house within 30 days of moving over there as well.
1: Wow. So obviously you're not with that company anymore because you started your own company. So how did that happen? Where was the? Uh, what was the moment there that you said, I've got to be on... I've got to be doing my thing because I think ultimately you knew you were going to do this someday.
0: Yeah. So I didn't go by way of just starting my own thing right away, in fact. And like you've mentioned, the whole That side of real estate is so different. So I actually was kind of recruited by the brother of one of the people I was working with. They had amicably kind of part ways. Um, One brother was going to be one company. The other brother wanted to keep the company that I was at. And they called me and asked me if I would run their office for them. And uh, they're based out of Washington, So I wasn't really interested in running someone else's office because at this point, I'm like, okay, I think I got this real real estate thing down. Like I keep working. I really like it. People want to work with me. I love helping them. So I wasn't interested in running it for someone. However, they offered me a majority partnership to take over the Portland office. And I was like, oh, that's something I can do. Yeah. And so we ended up setting up a space and I brought brokers on. And really quickly, we ended up franchising it because it was profitable and successful. So we um, ended up franchising it. And then it was about a year later that I'm like, no, no. This has got to be my own thing, and this has to tie back to me. And by that point, I was doing more construction. And um, so now I am a licensed GC, and I'll oversee renovation projects. And I also just had this calling on my heart to start a nonprofit and do a couple other things that I knew I wanted to all tie together and come back to me. So it actually took me about two and a half years. When I decided I am going to branch out and then come this July, that'll be two years of me being on my own.
1: And that's that's Encompass Realty, right? That's the company that you started? Yes. And I love the name and it's it's all coming together, obviously. Um, there is some meaning behind that name, I take it.
0: There's a lot of meaning behind that name. When I first started doing the investor classes, I re- While we pitched deals and we would go over stuff, I kept it going because I wanted to save people from themselves. There are so many people that would walk into that room and again, they would have just watched HGTV and think this is so easy and they're just looking for a deal. And I knew they would get taken. They would get taken on the deal. They get taken on the construction and so many of the pieces that they had no idea about. So we would just be there to educate them and make them aware and, you know, tell them to beware and ask us questions. You know, you don't have to pay us to run something by us. And so I really want it to be kind of that one-stop shop that people can come in, get advice, get the full picture. And because I was a part of every step of the process, I could give them, you know, I was like that the holistic doctor. But for real estate, I can give them from beginning to end. Um, I had a short stint doing property management. Do not like that, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. stopped doing that recently. Um, however, I'm still grateful because again, I was able to get the perspective on even that piece. So yeah, encompass. I literally have seen so many pieces of you know a home, start to finish. I've had a couple houses built. Um, I do everything from plans on the homes, how people are going to live in them, down to staging. I'm like really particular about the way things look and the way that people are going to live in their home. So yeah, I have that, like just that full approach and that full perspective. So I encompass all things real estate.
1: That's awesome. That's great. I love that. The word culture is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's, you know, become a buzzword or you know, a trope or anything, but it's, it's easily tossed around the workplace. Right. And, mm-hmm. but I, there's a quote you have on your site that I, I found fantastic. In fact, I have it right here. It says in the traditional model, people go to work for a company in my model or in, in the encompass model, the company goes to work for people. And I I love that. So let's first of all talk about the thought behind that and how much effort does it take to really um be that? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's the real question. (laughs) And that's what I got to learn. And, you know, so for me, every day we're learning life is so full and so big and ever changing. And you can be as prepared as you want to be. You don't know what's coming around the corner. To me, as long as I have my eyes open, I have that moment of pause and I'm able to learn and take that lesson. That is everything. So really the first quote, the first thing that you mentioned kind of came from this more idealistic approach of, you know, I don't necessarily like the way that things are going in real estate. We just, we get our license. The uh, barrier to entry is really low. And then people are able to basically deal with contracts that are the biggest investment in most people's lives. It just was mind boggling to me. So I really wanted to have an approach where My brokers could contact me. I had an open door policy. I set out, I time blocked hours every week just to meet with people weekly, like a free coaching program, basically. And yeah, it's a lot of work. (laughs) Uh, It's a lot of work and it meant so much to me and there are people that are out there that started with me They were brand new never had been in real estate that now have great successful businesses Whatever that means to them. That's not just necessarily tied to money They might be working on passion projects and I am grateful to have given them that and even though we're not working together I love that. I love that. They've gone down this path and I did have to change things a little bit for myself So that I could enjoy living my life because it was so much work However, that statement still holds true for me. So where we're kind of reshaping going now is I scaled things back. I mean, I was a new principal broker within my first year and I had 40 something brokers under me and I'm running, you know, construction projects and doing all these other things. And it was just too much too soon. I couldn't handle it. And, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I learned so I've really scaled it back. I've got like my core group of people. We're a small and mighty bunch. And now we're transitioning more into like a co-op model. So we will all take care of the expenses. And there will there's no real profit because we all kind of have our roles and our job duties and step up and back each other up. And the whole idea in that is um, having being able to really experience life and be able to do a job that we love. So um, I know I have some big plans in the works for kind of, you know, he talked about the weather earlier, um, taken off for a couple months and knowing in this model someone could support me and my business and I want to be able to do that for them as well and that's not really normal from the world that we all come from it's like grind and work 24/7 so yeah it's a very important statement for me it just is taking shape in different ways depending on which season I'm at in my life or how much knowledge I have
1: what what does what does one of those core members of your team look like i mean how what are there certain traits? Is, is there something in particular that that allows them to you know, leave or not be a part of that other real estate world and and come into this brave new world you're creating?
0: Yeah, I think for us, while we all want to make a good living, we're not necessarily numbers driven. We're driven by the experience. We're driven by the relationship. And it's not just the client relationship. It's the relationship that we have with each other. I know that the people that I have on my roster, any one of us would have each other's back, no questions asked, with complete and total trust. Any one of us can leave our business with the other person and take off for a month and it would be just fine. We've all done it before, in fact. So in my sales meetings, even when I was bigger, I've just never been driven by increase your sales by X amount or posting things. I didn't And, you know, I know there are lots of um, successful companies that do that. It's not a knock on them. It just wasn't my comfort zone, my place of, you know, that made me happy. What made me happy is if we're all happy and we're doing what we want to be doing and we're serving clients, I don't want to make a poor decision because I needed to get one more sale. I want to make sure that I'm making the best decision. I'm guiding and counseling this person for the best outcome for them. And being in that investment realm really does help do that because I'm working on this investment side. That's like, I understand it. I understand the back end. So when I work with traditional people, I get, this is the biggest investment that you're going to make. And I really feel strongly that it's my job to make sure they are getting as sound of investment as possible. And I tell my clients when I'm out with them, my traditional clients, I, I'm looking to be invited to the kids' birthday parties and to be friends for a long time to come. So I can't put you in something that you're going to hate me for in three months from now. And <laughs> right. I do have a lot of long-standing relationships with my clients, and that's what I love. I love when I can go to a birthday party and someone asks my name, I tell them I'm Alicia, and they know, oh, yeah, you're the one who sold them the house. Like it's That's already there because we're so close. Wow. So those are the kinds of brokers I have in my office.
1: That word happy is is a super powerful word that I think just gets tossed around or maybe just neglected, but man, being happy is, is so cool, right?
0: It is. Um, and I hear what you're saying and my take on that is number one, we have a choice. We have a choice to be happy. And, and if we're not, and of course life happens, sometimes we're sad. Oh my gosh, I'm dealing with big business things this week (laughs) that do not make me happy. Okay. Um, for me, it's always about having that reflection and looking at taking that inventory of what I have in my life now. And is this, um, is this centered with my core values? Cause that's where I am going to live in the most happiness and the most joy. And you know who feels that even more? My clients, my brokers, mm. my team, my family. So yeah.
1: You're Yeah. You're looking at the outward effect of being able to achieve that state and it's massive, right?
0: massive and the only way you get it is from the inward work right and the the inward honest self assessment which is kind of weird being in my industry because there are a lot of seminars and groups where it's about production and growing things so to hold kind of firm and feel confident you know when I'm showing up and I'm like yeah I'm okay like it's good I've got enough you know and I have this other little thing that I'm doing that I really love it's it's been definitely um, not the norm.
1: Let's talk about the other little thing you mentioned earlier, a nonprofit that you have going. Tell us what it is and and what it does.
0: It's the Encompass Life Foundation. And gosh, I just feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to work with those board members. In fact, today we were down at a place called the Blanchette House that is just a amazing nonprofit. Um, we were making sack lunches for kids and they were doing a whole service. They feed homeless people three times a day. Um, so Encompass Life Foundation, we help house homeless people. We have a mission each year. Last year, we did it squarely during the holiday season. This year, we're going to do it Um. In October so that people are housed by the holidays. And we take three or four families that are experiencing housing instability. And these are people that are like you and me. One of our kind of taglines is we're all one tragedy away from being homeless and one hand up from being a success. So who are those people that were living life and then tragedy struck, something unexpected happened, and now they're homeless with their family, their kids, and let's find them. Let's give them that chance, that opportunity to get back on their feet and move forward. So we were part of that last year. We helped three families, and we don't just put them in a home. I believe that your surroundings, the way things look, the way that you feel determines how you go out into the world. It's kind of tagging off that conversation we just had about happiness and how you project outwardly depending on how you feel on the inside. So we do top to bottom, decorate, design, furnish. They've got everything set up in that house. And these places look like staged homes. They were beautiful. And it took so many community resources to make this happen. And it's been a huge, huge blessing in my life. And we get started again this August and we'll get some people housed by the end of October before winter comes and before the holidays arrive.
1: Why don't you throw out the website for that? If uh, people want to find out more, maybe they're in the area, they want to help, or maybe they even want to contribute.
0: Yeah, that would be great. It's encompasslifefoundation. Dot- or, and yes, always looking for donations. Um, we were super fortunate and our hard the hard money lender I work most closely with, Rain City Capital, just gave us a huge gift um, in quarter one of $19,000 and really it takes us $60,000 to be able to get housing for um, the four families. One of the coolest things about what I do and how they all interconnect, and again, going back to Encompass, is I sold a duplex to one of my investors at the end of last year. It was an off-market duplex. We closed right as I learned about a homeless vet family that had been living in the car. This is somebody who's been on three tours, high security clearance, and just found himself in this position. His kids were staying at a friend's house because they had to go to school, and just an unbelievable tragedy. My investor allowed me to renovate it, which a lot of my subcontractors did the work for free because we were going to help this family. We got the unit turned around and then we're able to rent it to them because they have a government voucher. No one would take a chance on them. So it's so cool to have the experience, knowledge and people behind me to be able to go from start to finish with this like total junker of a house and then to get a family in there three weeks later.
1: That's great. I mean, that that has to feel so good. I uh, love amazing. hearing those kinds of stories. It's amazing, is right. That's great. Alicia, I've had you here the half hour I requested of your time. I know you're super busy. So let me wrap up with with the final question that I've asked every guest since episode one, and that's if you could give one piece of advice to an agent just getting started, what would it be?
0: Oh, my goodness. I would say... You know who you are and you know what your core values are. You're going to learn so much. I would maybe just make a list, though, of what are the things that you want in your life and find people, mentors, communities, offices, colleagues that mirror that. So many times I've had brokers sitting in my office who are square pegs trying to put themselves in a round hole and you don't have to conform here. you don't you can be you and be successful. I have done it for the last four and a half years. It wasn't always easy. it is well worth it. You can do exactly what you want to do and you know you know what it is. So I would just say stay very true to who you are.
1: Alicia, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: I'm on Instagram at Alicia Alcantara. I'm super active there. And then, uh, encompass-realty.com. I get all of the contact forms from that space as well.
1: Alicia, thank you so much for your time today. It really was a cool story. We'll have to, you'll have to say, uh, Tell Wendy when you see her next that we had a great time. I'm going to hit her up on a text as well. (laughs) And I I hope the next time I'm in the Portland area, we can get together. I would love to sit down and talk to you some more. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Bill. Have a good one.